Um, while I get set up here, um, let me just say my heart is racing a little bit. It's been a while since I've been on stage, probably since I was an intern actually like four years ago at Living Spring Church. Um, some of you guys are here. Some of you, some of you have joined us more recently. Um, but all I have to say, I, like, I, I'm, the, I'm the youth director, like, uh, like jean Vier said, and I love my job. I am so stoked that I get to talk to them and not to you guys, like, up here all the day, all, all week, every week. Um, I love talking to you guys, don't get me wrong. But they, I, I, can, I don't have to use such big vocabulary with them, so. <laughs> um, also, like, my voice is a little hard, harsh, so if, I, if, I, if it cracks, I not only work with junior hires, I apparently am one, um, so please forgive me. Uh, I, I, I am, like, like jean said, I am the uh, director of youth ministry here at Living Spring, and I love my job. I, I, I've been doing this for about eight years now, not working as the director of youth ministry, but I've been involved in youth ministry as a volunteer, not as a student, for about eight years, um, actually nine years now, um, and I, I've, I've, I fell in love with it when I was a junior in high school. Um, but I wasn't always a Christian. Uh, and so one of the things that, that happened is I became a Christian, like, while I was serving. I don't know whose idea it was to let me serve while I was, like, didn't buy, like, buy into the stories that I was telling. But, I, like, I'm so grateful that, for, that, the, for the fact that I did, um, that I was able to do that. And so I got baptized in my senior year of, of high school. Um, I went to Westmont College uh, where I, I was a psychology major. And I, like... I don't know if you guys ever had this, but I had an ambition. When I, when I was, like, ready to study psychology, I, I had an ambition. I was going to not only have a bachelor's degree, but I was going to get a master's degree. And then I was going to get a PhD. Like, I was going to be rolling in the money. Uh, I was going to be famous. I, I was going to have studied all these things, done all the research. At, I mean, I, I got, like, B's. <laughs> I don't know how I was going to be famous. But, I, like, that was my ambition. I had plans for myself. I had a, like, I had a purpose in mind. And then in my first semester of Westmont, I, I took a religious studies class because they were man, mandatory. I, I took a religious studies class. Uh, and in that class, I got to study the Bible. We, we got to study what other, other people thought about the Bible and what they were, how they processed it and how they taught. Uh, we got to talk about how the Bible applied to my life. And then how that Bible was applicable to our church. And so, I, like, I started to fall in love with this class. And my psychology class was okay. Um, but I fell in love with this religious studies class, with this uh, intro to the New Testament. And I, like, I started to feel confused. And, and maybe, the, maybe college is the time for this. Like, and you can tell me that. But I, didn't, I was like, no, I need to know what I'm doing. I need to know exactly what I'm studying and where, my, where I'm going. Maybe you guys have, have had that feeling before. Call it, like, college might be the place for that, but I wasn't, I wasn't there. I, like, it caused me anxiety. I, 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 I knew where I was supposed to go, and then that was challenged. It, it didn't make sense in, in the classes that I was taking. Like, why, why, would I, why would I be a psychologist? Like, I love this. And I started to think about the people in my life that it had, it had an impact. And, and I, like, other than my, my immediate family, like, I came to realize almost all of them were, were from or within the church. All, almost all of them had poured into, my, poured into my life from a context of ministry. And so from that moment, I, I started to sen- like sense the, the inklings of a call into pastoral ministry and, and wanting to be a pastor. And, and this scared me because it wasn't part of the plan, right? Like if you guys have a plan that's been disturbed, 
that's been kind of ruined, if you will, it, it caused me anxiety. And so, uh, like, as I'm doing this, I, I'm trying to figure it out, and I, I start to get this call, and so I add, I add religious studies on as a second major in, in about towards the end of my, my first semester of college. And so, as we're doing that, I, like, I'm, try, I'm starting to figure out, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm, like, starting to wrestle with this idea of becoming a pastor, I should probably get involved with the church. So, <laughs> I, start, I started looking and, and searching, how can I serve in, in a local church in Santa Barbara, because that's where I was. That's where Westmont College is. And so how can I serve in, in, a, in the context of Santa Barbara, in one of those churches? And I ended up interacting with a youth pastor who, he invited me to come check out his youth ministry. I had just turned 18, like, the week before this. I don't know whose idea it was to, like, let me be a high school youth group leader. I, like, was just in high school. Um, but he did. And, I, I, and again, I'm so grateful. And, and there's so many things that I, I just challenge. I'm like, why was this, why was this okay? But it, it was. It, like, people invited me into these spaces that I probably shouldn't have been allowed. But they did, and it, it has changed my life. And so while, I, while I'm in this ministry, uh, like, I, I, the next day after I talk to the youth pastor, I'm in, their, I'm in their youth room, and I'm trying to figure out, do, do I go talk to the high schoolers, or do, do they come talk to me? Like, what, what's the process for this? If you've worked with high schoolers, you know they probably won't come to you. Uh, <laughs> And so I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, what, like, what do I do? And so eventually, like, I end up talking to uh, a couple of them. One's named Austin, and, and he, he ended up, like, following, like he, he and I just, like, would talk about C.S. Lewis all the time. Um, and so I, I had a connection with him. And, and then I was thrown into a small group. And I was thrown into a small group with uh, a bunch of freshman boys and a bunch of freshman girls. And I had a partner. She was 10 years older than me. Somehow we all got along. We all got along so well. And, and I have stories from those years, or from that year. Uh, I just, ha- like, it was one semester. And I have stories that I, like, I laugh about every time I tell, and I've told them so many times. Like, there, there was one time where Jacob, um, here, this, this is part of my small group right here. Um, Jacob, he's the one standing to the, your left, my right, um, right there. Uh, he's the redhead. He, like, there was a time where he chugged, Two, like, 12, a 12-pack 12 of brisk iced teas he, like, in five seconds, or five minutes. It, it was insane. Like, he, I, I, he was bouncing off the walls for this, and I, it was an all-nighter. Um, and then, and then, then I went to, um, I took all of them out, all the boys out to In-N-Out, and we grabbed lunch. And, I, like, I, I bought them lunch. I, I, I got up to go get Elijah. He's the one in the middle with the Darth Maul hat. Um, we... He, I got up to go get his milkshake, and I came back 30 seconds later, and all of my fries were gone. <laughs> he ate all, like, he just, like, took the, took the little basket and, like, just, like, it was crazy. Um, and, that, and then there's, a, there's another time where Gurdon, um, he's this guy, uh, holding the camera, he, he and I, like, somehow we found these, like, alien-looking uh, uh, plastic sweatsuits and Ross, and they're, like, on clearance, they're like 95 cents, and I'm like, dude, let's get these, let's walk around Santa Barbara, and he's like, sure, so we walked around Santa Barbara, and you can see the outline, of, like the top of these, just like plastic sweatsuits, <laughs> and so like, the, I have so many good memories and funny stories that I can tell you about, about that year in, in a youth ministry, and so when, when the year ended, youth groups just tend to go to camp, 
right? Like you go to summer camp, that's, that's what youth groups do. And, and I worked at a summer camp at that point in time. I, I worked at Forest Home. I, I actually worked there for about six years now. Um, and and I, I love summer camp. But a lot of people think of summer camp as a place where decisions are made. And yes, that's true. Decisions to follow Jesus are made there. But I think the value of summer camp is that it's a place where leaders and students and students and students get, build a stronger relationship. Uh, and, and if you've gone to summer camp, you know this is true. Yes, decisions are made, but though, like if Jesus is working in their hearts, it, those decisions are going to be made anyway. The awesome part about summer camp is that it's, a, it's like a week long where you, you are just intensely with students and they're with you. And so that, like, I think that's the purpose of these summer camps. And so they invited me to this place called Heat Wave. That's the name of the, of the camp. And we invited all these other churches from Santa Barbara to go with us. And, and it's in the middle of the desert at the peak of summer. We're, like, next to a lake. I don't know how it, how it existed, and it wasn't, like, dried up in, in like, a minute. But, I, like, my skin was melting there. It was hot. Um, and so we, we, we're there. We're there for, like, a whole week, and we do this thing called banana boating. I don't know. We, I wish I had a picture. But a banana boat is something where, <laughs> where you are on, like, a giant tube. It looks like a banana, and it's dragged by a speedboat. And the purpose for the, for the driver of the speedboat is to knock everyone on the, on the, uh, the what's it called, the banana boat, off. And our, like, people on the banana boat, there's about six of us. And our purpose, like, the goal for us is stay on and push everyone else off. <laughs> and so it's intense. And we're going, like, 45 miles an hour. It's awesome. And, and so there's things like that. And I made, I made a decision when I started working at camp is, okay, yes, I'm going to have these Bible studies. And I, like, I'm going to do, do the best I can. But what I'm here for is I'm going to hang out with these students. I'm going to build relationships and make sure that we have memories to look back on and be like, hey, look, remember when we did that together? That's awesome. Like, we enjoyed ourselves there. Um, and so toward, toward the middle of the, of the, of the camp, uh, about Wednesday or Thursday, Brian, the, this co-leader of mine, he, he, he led the small, the small group for the seniors. And he and his senior boys, they came over to me and asked, hey, want to do a prank. And my ears just like perked. I'm just like, prank, huh? Oh, that was loud. Um, anyway, we, I'm, I'm interested. Let's do the prank. You don't even have to tell me what it is. They told me. Um, we, we were going to prank my students, the freshmen, that are going to be sophomores. And we, like, it wasn't supposed to be malicious. It, it, it's just going to be this something, this something that is like, welcome to not being a freshman anymore. You're, you're, you made it. Uh, and so what, what happened is we, like, I'm just like, yes. I had just gotten out of, a, out of a prank war with some of the girls, like, next door in college in our first year. And, like, we, we won. That, that's how I can say it. We won. Um, it was great. She's standing right there. She's one of them. Um, pointing at attention. Uh, anyway, so we, we do this. We, like, I'm ready. Let's do this prank. And on the last night of camp, we, we have the room ready. We have all the supplies, stock. And we are, like, it's all down to me. I just have to lure my students in one at a time. You're like, I'm a Trojan horse, yes. So I bring, I bring, I bring this kid, Ryan, and he, like, he's going to be a sophomore. He's like thicker than me. He, he, does, he did football. I'm just like the scrawny guy. Like I'm super self-conscious of my arms. They're super tiny. <laughs> and I've got this guy who's like, he, he, can, he can like beat me up, I'm sure. He's, like, he's going to be a sophomore. And so I bring him in, and all the, all the, like one of the seniors, he grabs the, Ryan's arms as soon as he walks in the door, and another one starts smearing shaving cream all over his legs. Their goal was let's shave their legs, um, which... Super juvenile, you've all lost respect for me. I, I'm okay with it. Uh, and, and so 
we, we're doing that. After like a minute, he, he just gives in. He's like, he just starts laughing. And, and we walk him over to the chair where they're now shaving his legs. And, and, we're, and we're just making jokes, laughing, have a good, having a good time. Even like Ryan's chiming in on this and he's making fun of us. And so we like, we do that. And in like two minutes, I hear a scream. I hear a scream. And so I run outside. And we'll pick up there in just a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have ever made a ch- uh, change in your lives. If you guys have ever, have, have ever made a change, you know that it's hard. Whether it's like changing your, your image or changing how, like, your lifestyle, if you, if you want to exercise more, exercising hard, I get you. Um, if you. If you want to change the, the way that you spend money or spend time, it's hard, right? It, change is difficult, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't make any changes without... Uh, without a good reason, without a compelling reason, right? Like, if change is hard, why would we do it? There, there's got to be a good reason. So, uh, you, usually if, you have, if you're trying to change your, your image or trying to build a healthier lifestyle, it's because you want to be healthy. You're, you're, starting, you're starting to run, and so you're changing the way in which you live because you want to be healthy. You're trying to change the way that you, that you spend or spend your time or uh, <laughs> just the way that you, that you have relationships. It's because you... You're, you're wanting to salvage something. You're, you're wanting to ma- create a place where you are, you are, again, living a healthy lifestyle. And so when, when, when we talk about change, there, there's always this reason. But sometimes the reason is because we don't have a choice, right? The reason is because we are forced into it. Change is forced upon us. And Pastor John, he gave us a, a passage last week that, that told us about, about Israel and a, a point in time where change was difficult. Change was actually painful, and we talked about how change can be painful, but sometimes that pain is necessary for what we, what we are going through to make us the people that God wants us to be. And so, so like you see, there's this guy, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, his, like we're going to call him Nebi because it's just easier. He was the king of Babylon, of the Babylonian Empire, which spanned most of the Middle East at this point in time. And so Nebi, he, he, he owns most of this. But Israel's like holding out a resistance. They stop paying tribute to him. And so they, Nebi, he takes his, his army he, and he attacks Israel. He conquers most of the nation. And finally he brings his army to Jerusalem, the capital city where the king, the king his family, all of his court officials, these powerful men, where they all are. And so Nebi lays siege to Jerusalem. And so, and finally he captures it. He pillages Jerusalem and he takes over. He, he kills so many people. Then the people that he doesn't kill, most of them he, he decides to take captive. And those people tend, like, the reason he did that is because they, they were the, the smartest people. They were the, the wealthiest people. Or they were the, maybe just the best looking. Um, so what I want you guys to imagine, imagine that you are those people. Okay? I know it's not, it's not hard for you to do because if Nebby's taking the most good looking and, and intelligent people, Living Spring is full of goners. Um, so imagine that you guys are being taken captive. You have watched your family get slaughtered. You have watched your friends be enslaved. You are yourself now a slave. And now you're, mar- you're getting marched hundreds of miles to Babylon or Medea or uh, Nineveh, which, is, which are all... Here, actually, I can show you a picture. They're all, like, near those mountain areas. So the Jewish people are marched hundreds of miles. And then when they get to their locations, they are given new names. Their, their old names are taken away, and they are given new names, meaning things like Command of Aku, which is the Babylonian moon god, or Servant of the God Nebo. I don't know what he's got of. 
Um, so you don't have your family, you don't have property, you don't even have your name at this point. I imagine that. And now imagine that you're listening to, you're reading this letter from Jeremiah, who is a prophet from God. He's a spokesman for God. You're reading this for the first time. And I know that we've already, we already looked at this last week, and you probably even know this uh, from before. But you see this for the first time. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I don't know about you guys, but I would be angry. If I got this letter while I'm a slave, my family has been killed, my, like I don't even possess my own name now, I would be angry. If I got this, I, I would be wondering, like, how can God say this? His people are scattered and enslaved. This is a people group that they were promised by God that their children, Abraham, his children, his descendants, would number the stars. Their king, David, he was promised that his, his descendants would sit on a throne forever. But their children are, are either killed or slaves now. They're, 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 like, they don't even have a nation anymore. So what's there to be king of? I'd be wondering, really, you got a plan for me. A plan not to harm me, but it looks like I'm already in harm, right? So it, if you've got that, you'd be wondering, what, how, what is he trying to say here? If, if he knows that everything that's happened to me is, is harm, is not in line with what he's, I thought he said his, his will was, and it's not in line with my, what my plans were, right? Your plans are probably to get a new house, like, get married, have many children. That's, this is not in your plan to become a slave. And so it, it probably makes sense to be wondering, okay, well, what do you mean? What, what's my purpose if it's not for all that stuff? And so that is what we're going to be talking about today. What, what's my purpose? And like I already said, I, when I was in college, I, I went through, like, a really hard season of, I don't know, like, I, I'm struggling. I thought it was this, but now it's this. Or it's in, it's in between. And so what, what, we can, what we can see here is that God is, at, is trying to say something different. Whether, maybe he's trying to change the way that you, that you live your life. Or maybe he's trying to change how you, how you interact with your neighbors. But th th I, I, I spend a lot of time struggling through what is my purpose? How, how am I supposed to live a full life? when God doesn't seem to be following what I, what I wanted, what I thought he would be doing. And so, it, honestly, it took a long, a long time. It, it, I, I didn't get an answer right away. I, it actually took me a couple years to find, to find this and actually think in the right way. But I, I came across a passage in Scripture, and, and I'm going to share it with you guys, but I think that this has a lot to say. This is what Paul's answer to the, to the question of what is my purpose. This is Paul's answer, I think, or at least part of it. He, Jesus, died for the sake of all so that those who are alive should not live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. So then, anyone who is in Christ, that person is part of the new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. He is calling you a new creation. If you are in Christ, he says that you are a new creation. It's, it's not that, okay, well, maybe you're a new creation, or maybe you're changed, maybe you're different. He is saying, if you are in Christ, you are changed. You are new. He says that you, like, you are part of the new creation. So that being made new is better than what, what, you, what it was before. 
He's trying to tell you that you are part of the new creation, something that is better than it is already. He's saying that you, you are made better than you originally were intended to be. You were good. You were created good. And then you, you, you sin, you got meh. And then you, you, are made, you are remade perfect. You are part of the new creation. And, and, and so in, in this series, I'm trying to think, okay, well, what, what does this mean? How does this affect your life? And, and in, the midst of, in the midst of change, in the midst of, of trial, and, and looking at Israel and saying they, they had to change. They, they had to change their focus of, and understanding of what God is doing to them, what God is using them for. And so what, what, I, what I came to, came to think of is, is that, you, like, I had been changed, not, not just for myself, but to be, to be an agent of change. I had been changed to become an agent of change. And, and Paul, Paul goes into this a little bit more. He's, he, he's, he calls you a new creation, but he expands on that. He says, all of these things are, all of these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. All of these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And, and this, this, guys, is the crux of the matter. This is the most important piece that you will get today. Like, if you take nothing else away, if everything else is, is jarbled or whatever, like you, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Take this, okay? All of these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ by not counting people's sins against them. He has trusted us with the message of reconciliation. You have been changed to become agents of change. He, what he's saying here is you are, you are being reconciled. You are being brought into, into God's new world, into God's new creation. And so, what, what do, again, what does that mean? What, does it, what might that look like? I, I think that this has, has, a, has an effect on that question that we're asking of, okay, well, if, if God is saying he doesn't, he had, his plan is not to harm me, it's to give me hope in a future, then what is my purpose? What, what is God's purpose for my life? I would say it's to be reconciled to God through Christ and to receive the ministry of reconciliation. Again, you are, you are changed to become agents of change. You have been handed the ministry of reconciliation. And we're going to talk about this word reconciliation in a little bit because it's a heavy word. It, it, it's, not, it's not very common in Scripture. It's not even common in, in our everyday lives, right? How often do you just go up and like, hey, how, hey bro, how, how's that reconciliation going? I, it's just not what you say. It, it, this is a very, it's not a very common word in our, in our everyday language, but it's also not very common in Scripture. It's used four times, all by Paul, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that it, um, the, the word for it is katalage. And so if, if you are called to, be, called to be reconciled to God through Christ and to receive a ministry of reconciliation, what does that mean? Like I said, the, the word for this is katalage. And it, it can be translated as uh, to mean to change thoroughly or to thoroughly change or be changed thoroughly. So if you are called to be reconciled to God, it means that you are called to be, uh, you are called to be changed thoroughly. And, and so that might not make sense until you put it in, in context. And, and in the context of Scripture, it, it is always said, it is always the case that 
the subjects are God and humans. God and humans are reconciled, or humans and humans are reconciled. The relationship between God and humans, or humans and humans, is reconciled. These are the people that their, their relationships are changed thoroughly. Let's see. So then, um, if we are called to become agents of change, if we are changed to become agents of change, then it means our, our lives, our ministry, does not stop with us. The ways in which we interact with each other, the ways in which we reconcile the world to God, and the, the ways in which we are reconciled to God, our relationships are changed, they are made right, then it means that our, our ministry does not stop here. It does not, it does not encompass only the church. It means that God is using you to reconcile this world back to himself. It means that he is using you to, to change the way the world views him, the, way, the relationship that the world has with God. So when, when, um, when I walked out of the cabin uh, when we were pulling the prank, I, we heard this scream. We heard this scream, and like, honestly, I, th- I thought someone, someone had like, fallen and broken a bone or something. We walked outside, ran outside, and I saw, I saw that, that Elijah's sister was on the phone, like inconsolably screaming into it. And not only that, but she had her little brother, Elijah, who was in my small group. She had him standing right next to her, and, and both of them looked inconsolably scared. They looked horrified, and, and not just horrified, but they, they also looked kind of angry. I don't know if you guys have seen someone that looks like scared but also angry at the same time. That, it, it was horrifying to me. Um, so I walked outside and, and we like, she screamed again. And Brian and all the seniors and Ryan, they walked outside too. And, and Brian, like Brian and I, we just didn't know, we had no clue. How, how do we handle this? How do we do this? And, and, and so after a little bit, the youth pastor, he comes over and he tells us that, okay, well, she, she heard, somehow heard that there was a prank going on tonight. She heard that there was a prank and that her brother, her little brother, was involved. And so she went into, like, super protective big sister mode, which I get. Like, I'm a big sibling. If you're a, bit, if you're a sibling, you probably know, like, if someone's going to mess with, with your little brother or sister, you're going to deck them or something. Like, I, I, I probably wouldn't. I'm, like, they're usually bigger or stronger than me. But, like, the, if someone is going to mess with my sibling... Like, they're, they're not going to do it without, like, without me trying to stop, stop them. And so she, she was inconsolable. She screamed. She yelled at me. Like, we, we didn't think that was a big deal until it was. We didn't think that it was a big deal until I saw the, Elijah's face, and I saw that he was nothing but scared and hurt because I had planned something that would, that would make him uncomfortable. I, I thought I had found my purpose. I thought that I had, had seen that, Okay, I, I'm called into pastoral ministry. Okay, th- this is what I'm going to do. I thought I had found a, a community to do that in. And, and, and it, I dashed it all away. I, I, I trashed him because I planned to do something that would hurt one of my students. Not only that, but he was like, his dad was my lead pastor. And so, uh, like, I, I just, I just, that night I slept in my car because I didn't want Elijah to have to, like, even be near me. And when I say I slept in my car, I mean I laid awake crying. And, and, wh- and when the morning came, they had their worship session. They had, like, they had their final gathering. And, and Brian and I, we, we decided that we were just going we to stay over and pack the cars. 
And I don't know how he got out of the session, but Elijah came over and he, he wanted to talk to me. And I, I had prepared to be yelled at, to be screamed at. And, and, and worse of all, I didn't know if I was prepared for this, but I, like, I was getting ready for him to walk up and say, I hate you, and walk away. That didn't happen. He, he came over, he wanted to talk to me. I spent the next, like several minutes just apologizing and saying, I'm so sorry. I know things will not be right between us, but I can't make things right. I'm sorry. And I don't remember the, the flow of the conversation, how the conversation went, but I do remember at the end of it, he, him saying, I think I left something in my, in my tent. Are you coming? To me, I, I thought that th- this moment, it meant to me that he still wanted me in his life. He still wanted me to be a part of that. He's, he's inviting me back on a journey with him. To me, it, it, meant, it symbolized the reconciliation that would be happening, the change in our relationship. To me, it, 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 it meant that things would get better. And, and it did. Elijah and I, we, uh, I ended up staying at his house for like six weeks while his parents were, were on mission in South, America, or South Africa. And so I stayed in his house for like six weeks. I was dubbed Mama Pucket because I ended up like caring for him while he was sick for two of those weeks. So I begged, like, can I be Papa? Like, can I, can I be Papa Pucket? And they're like, no. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll sell for Mama. Um, and, and, and so after that, he, like, my birthday was in the same time, and I, I didn't get to spend, uh, spend that birthday with my friends at Westmont, um, but he, he baked me a cake. This is, this is us standing with, with my new cake. Um, what, what high school boy bakes cakes? I love it. Um, but he baked me a cake. We, we still, like, we meet up every, every month, at least once a month, um, to talk, to, to see how, how we're doing, to pray with each other. In fact, I just hung out with him on, on Friday. The, this young man has exemplified what I'm trying to talk about here today. He, he lived into his purpose of, of being reconciled to God first, and then being an agent of reconciliation, to, of taking that ministry on. He, he not only was changed, but he then changed our relationship. He changed the way that, that not only, like, I'm a better youth pastor because of him, because of the way that he, he brought me back into his life. Again, you guys, you guys might be wondering, like, what do I do with this? You're ahead of me. Um, I, what I want you to do, we're, we're going to go into a time of prayer, and, and the Ajwa and the band are going to come back up, and we're going to worship with one more song. And what I'd love for you guys to do is think about the, think about the, um, the people at, in, in the cubicle next to you or at the lunch table that you sit at, or maybe in your own home, who haven't experienced the love of Christ, who haven't experienced the reconciliation that occurs between them and God. I want you guys to think about them and then start praying. Pray for the situations at work, at school, or in your home, or in your marriage. How, what, what is it that can be made, made new? Paul, he says that because we, because we are in Christ, we are part of the new creation. He's extended you the power and the ability to, to also make things new. You have been called into the ministry of reconciliation. What situations, what relationships that you have that are in your life can you, can you help make new? Uh, what I'd love for you guys to do is, after our service today, if you guys could talk to each other about that. 
Don't, don't hold that to yourself. Don't keep that to yourself. Talk to your neighbor. Talk to your spouse or your siblings or best friend. But don't let, don't let yourself go without sharing that. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and uh, we're, we're going to go into a time of worship and prayer. Father God, we ask that you are with us today, today this week, that you, are, that you are moving and stirring in us, that you are affecting our very lives. God, we thank you for the ways that you, have, that you have changed us, that you have called us into a new life because we are with you. I pray that you, that you help us to become, new, become agents of that change that you've already done in us. Lord, we love you. We give you all that we are and ask for your, ask for your blessing. It's in your son Jesus Christ, and we pray. Amen.